Welcome to Things You Didn't Ask For and Didn't Need To Know, the show where we discuss random stuff that we find interesting before deep diving into the main topic, which this week is video games. I'm Donal. I'm Barry. I'm Mark. Okay, and we will do what we normally do. Barry, what have you got for us today? Oh boy. Okay, so two things before before I dive into this. First of all, I apologize for my pronunciation of some of these words. It will not be correct. Also, if there's anyone out there that actually suffers from any of these, I'm not making fun of it. I just find them strange. So apologies in advance if this triggers you. Phobias. Uh, these are just some phobias. These are ten different phobias that I've that I've, I've looked up some phobias and I just found these ten particular ones to be strange. Um, so again, apologies for the for the pronunciation of some of these. So we'll start with, and I'm going to give you each like a couple of seconds just to give a quick guess, or if you don't know, just say don't know uh, to see if you can guess what these phobias are about. So I'll start with this one: geniophobia. Geniophobia. That's spelled G-E-N-I-O. Phobia. We're going to say something to do with age. Okay. Oh, good guess. I was going to say fear of genies, which I know it's not, but... It's actually uh, a fear of chins. Chins? Chins. Yeah. Oh. Which is just... That's... This is what I'm talking about. That's an actual fear. It's so strange. So people out there are afraid of chins. We're going to have to discuss phobias after this, but keep yeah. going. Syngenisophobia. What? Syngenisophobia. Syngenisophobia. S-Y-N-G-E-N-S-O... Phobia. Okay, fear of people who have fear of chins. No, wait a second now. It's I like that. Sin, it's something to do with two things coming together. Fear of meeting people. You're not too, you're not a million miles off, but it's actually worse than that because these are people you have no choice but to meet. This is fear of relatives. Ah. Uh, fear of your relatives. So which sin is, is, is uh, Meeting, meeting, and, and genes. Gene. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah uh, fear. Uh, people are actually fear of their relatives. I, I'm going to just stamp down on your disclaimer of sorry if anyone suffers. If anyone suffers from these, cop on. <laughs> That's yeah. Boom. No, they're, they're cured. They're cured. Yeah. You're welcome. Now, a blutophobia. A blut. A blutophobia. That's spelled A B L U T O phobia. Something to do with water. Not far off again. Not far off. I have no idea. I don't no, know. I actually guessed it. I saw this come up before it got to the explanation. I actually a guessed it. <laughs> is it something to do with a blute? A. It's something to do with water, sinking water or something? Like? It's something to do with water. You're absolutely right. I guessed it from the word ablution. Uh, people do. They used to see no books and stuff. They did their ablutions. It's washing. It's fear of washing and bathing. Ah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I've worked with people who suffered from this fear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now. This one has nothing to do with the Matrix. Neophobia. Fear of anything new. Absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Fear of uh, new experience or things. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's another... I found that very strange as well because how do you stop it? Yeah, but you can see how that would be a very common one. I'd say it'd be common enough. I'd say of that list, I'd say so far anyway, that'd be one of the more common ones. That's just basically someone with anxiety. But it's, it's fear. It's more It's more than like... There are people... I've, I, and again, I've worked with people who hate to change. Yeah, but see, new that's just someone with anxiety yeah. who just allows themselves the luxury and laziness of just giving into it and embracing it as opposed Ooh. to trying to spine up and do something about it. <laughs> okay, we'll move quickly on before I can trouble. Um, oh, the pronunciation of this one. Uh, Deepnophobia. Deepnophobia. D-E-I-P-N-O-phobia. Deepnophobia. 
I remember hearing the word. I don't know. It's some kind of something to do with the medical condition, I think. It is, is it? not. No, it okay. is fear of dinner conversations. Oh. <laughs> Pretty specific. <laughs> very There's specific. Very specific. I, I yeah. just don't believe that's real. I it, just don't. There you go. There you go. You know, Okay, the, the, now, the, you the, thought the, that wasn't No weird? problem with a conversation. <laughs> oh, wait, there's dinner. Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I am calling wait, bullshit. Wait, wait. It gets worse. <clears throat> Arachnibutrophobia. Arachnibutrophobia. Uh, I'll go there. I'll bite. Fear of spiders' butts. No. It is spelled A-R-A-C-H-I-B-U-T-Y-R-O-phobia. Arachnibutrophobia. The, the beings, is that anything to do with spiders? Nothing at all to do with spiders. Really? Okay, wait, wait. Uh, uh, right. Did it start with A-R-A-C-H? It starts with A-R-A-C-H. Huh. Creep, creepy crawly-a-phobia? Nothing Fear to do with any eight, kind of... something to do with eight legs. Nothing to do with anything with eight legs. Nothing to do with any insects, anything in the insect I give up, I don't know. <laughs> this is the fear, I'm not going to say the word again. This is the fear, fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. That is the name for that particular fear. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm containing it all in now. I, I don't want to be too aggressive here. <laughs> I'm not triggering the people listening. I'm triggering my heart here. Uh, heliophobia. Fear of flying? Nope. That has a name. It's not heliophobia. And that's... A, that, like, these are... Like, the phobias are... I think they call them irrational fears. Mm-hmm. And the fear of flying, I don't think, is irrational. No, of course not. Wait. It's absolutely irrational. I mean, don't get me wrong. If someone goes on a plane and thinks, Hey, I might die. You're right, you might. But you're more likely to die in the car to the airport. You're a million times more likely to die a hundred million other ways than flying. So people who freak out about flying just need a slap in the face. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's something to do with the, the, the McGillard Spear. There's something to do with the sky. Not far off again, though. Uh, heliophobia is the fear of sunlight. Huh. Hmm. Fear of actual sunlight. Oh, Helios, of course. Um, that's a Greek word in for team sun, with it? in team with the the video game team of stuck in your mom's basement playing video games all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, chorophobia. Uh, chor- no, that's not the right way to pronounce that. Chorof- it'd be chorophobia would be the correct way to pronounce that. Chorophobia. C H O R O phobia. Chorophobia. A fear of li- flaming dangerous liquids. No. Chorophobia is the fear of dancing. Oh, Coro, chor- chor- choreography. Ah, uh, yeah. yes, of but course. But a fear of dancing, yeah. So, and I'm not sure about that one. I need to look more into it to find out: is it the fear of other people dancing around you, or the fear of you starting to dance without having yeah. spontaneously? Yeah, that happened once in history. It's it a, it's did. A real it thing. did. That was. I mean, it's to, like flying. Um, you could really be scared. And it, it was a thing really in wheat. Yeah, there was a thing in wheat. Um, mold on the wheat. Mold on the wheat. Well, that's what they theorized. Wait a second. What are you talking about? There was a thing in the wheat. Yeah, there was a mold on a, a, a certain oh, this type is, of wheat. I should just clarify. This is around 14 or 1500 or something. Yeah, like it was that. a long time ago. And people just started dancing. And basically, they, they started tripping balls. And they saw the people dancing. They started dancing. Everyone started dancing. Nobody stopped dancing. Really? Died. No, but this yeah. is a real thing that really happened. Because the way you're describing it sounds like a crazy story. But it's actually that's literally documented that yeah. it really happened. I mean, it sounds like that episode of the one of the better episodes of Buffy. Oh yeah, yeah. With the, I used to know the, 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 the musical yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah the I even knew the name of the actual mold and everything. I can't think of it now. But ultimately, people actually danced for days and days and died. Yeah, no, that was tragic. He said with a grin. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it was tragic. Um, I'm nearly there. Geliophobia. 
Geliophobia. G-E-L-I-O. Phobia. I'm going to say something to do with the horses. Nope. What, no. Maybe. I don't know. No, I, I've given up on this. I just Fear of me laughing. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ah, stop laughing. Yeah. Um, that one I thought was, again, very, very strange. The last one on this, though, is... I'm going to guess really the answer is fear of clowns before you even say it. It's not. It's not chlorophobia. Oh, ah, okay. I knew that existed. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's a perfectly rational one, don't... That's well, yeah, what's that? John uh, Wayne Gacy, whatever he was? Yeah, optophobia. A fear of seeing things? Almost, you're very close on that one. Optophobia. I'm going to go with that, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually fear of opening your eyes. Fear of opening your eyes? Yeah, which, again... That would suck. Yeah, it would suck to have it. But to have it. how do you get it? How do you suddenly develop... Now, uh, I'm glad you asked the question, because I actually... Try to be sympathetic and open to all things, right? Let's come across and in the last few minutes. Ultimately, <laughs> all phobias are all phobias are a form of anxiety. Mm. But there comes a time when, oh, I don't like this thing. Everyone feels it, and then you either lean into it, or you firm up against it. And people who lean into it, and by labeling it, and you know, it's a condition and whatever, you're doing yourself a disservice. And you're allowing yourself to now have this condition instead of just saying, oh, wait, I'm over it. And it's not that easy. I know it's not that easy. But also, that's how you do it. And like, I remember at one point, I actually could realize that it was starting in me. And I don't know where it came from. Actually, I do know. When I was a kid, I read up about cockroaches. And they freaked the hell out of me because I have all these crazy stuff like they're radiation resistance they're the last things that'll survive after a nuclear holocaust yeah. things like when you turn on the light they're the only animal on earth where or at least this is what I read when I was a kid so this may not be technically accurate but it's my memory from being traumatised as a child reading a book uh, the light when it goes into their eyes the photoreceptors directly link to the legs they bypass the brain so that it's like light run before it goes light to the brain the brain processes the signal and makes a decision to run or react in whatever way accordingly. All these weird wiring stuff, it was like freaking me out to the point where I realized, oh, when I see cockroaches, I have to look away. And then I realized, no, I'm calling bullshit on myself. And I just forced myself to see cockroachy stuff. And then after all, I don't care anymore. But So you don't suffer from catsaridophobia? Well, no. And I, I never actually did, but I definitely was starting to realize it. Like if there was cockroaches on telly, I had to look away. I couldn't look at the screen. And then I just realized, no. Were you, Not allowing this. Were you with me when we were small? We were walking down the road and we tipped over... Yes, a, that may be it. We tipped over a, a beetle. But underneath the belly's beetle, it was like... It just looked like there was 10,000 tiny little insects. Yeah. Just moving. How big was the beetle? No, the beetle was an inch long. This is a memory from about 35 or 40 years ago. So... Uh, you know, mileage may vary. Two feet, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it's funny that you remember that too, because I remember that, and that definitely was the start of it. It just freaked me out. It was like this beetle that turned over, and there was like a million little creepy crawly beetles, just baby beetles, basically. But anyway, the point is, once you start getting these phobias, you have a choice. Now, people have them. What are you going to do? Well, what you do is expose yourself to it and face it no, I mean, and you're don't right. label it you're and say right, but it's a phobia I have a condition and therefore uh, give me, I'm just going to deal with it or just you know no don't just allow <coughs> yourself to be afraid of dinner conversation have dinner conversation and grow up 
Anyway, interesting. That would be my thought. Uh, <laughs> Um, or as a friend of more, as more a friend from of psychologist, said, yes. It's like, I do a psychology Get session where you just slap someone in the face and say, "Stop it!" That'll be five euros. Yeah. Five pounds. Oh, you, you know, that's too cheap. That's too cheap. They charge about a hundred quid a session. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, from I do. I am aware as well that I'm unsympathetic, but this is one. Probably this is the hill I chose to die on. Phobias, and not all phobias, by the way. But yeah, most of them. Nah. Brilliant. I love it. Okay, so the second thing I have is uh, possibly phobia-inducing as well. Uh, it, it's a butterfly. I want to talk about a little bit about a butterfly called the large, okay. the large blue. It's extinct in the UK for years. They reintroduced it. Um, it's a beautiful big butterfly, kind of black around the edges of the wings, and it's blue, funnily enough. Um, but what I found fascinating about it, I saw a clip about it, and when it is a caterpillar, it has a couple of... Um, things that it can do. One of the things it can do is it can secrete a nectar-like substance out of the, on its back, which attracts ants. Ants like nectar, they, they go and they collect it. What it does then, when, they, when there's a couple of ants around it, or an ant, it swells up these special sacs inside itself, and when it releases it, it lets out almost like a squeal that sounds to an ant like a queen ant in distress. Now, that's two evolutionary things there that are just, to me, mind-boggling that yeah. it was able to develop those. Of course, the, the ant goes, it's an, a queen in distress, and it picks up the caterpillar and carries it back to the ant's nest, where it deposits it, and it keeps letting out these squeals, so none of the other ants, and pheromones as well, sorry, it releases pheromones as well, just to, to kind of disarm the ants around it into thinking it's, this is a queen ant, let, let it off. It then eats everything inside the ant's nest, ants, larvae, everything, and then once it's ten times the size it was when it went in, goes into its uh, cocoon, does its cocooneets metamorphosis stuff and then comes out as a big blue and flies off and looks beautiful <laughs> but not completely belying the absolute horror movie oh, yeah. of a past in that, <laughs> like we're decimated at 10,000 strong <laughs> single handed is there a name for a fear of a swarm of things probably but there's probably several ones depending on the swarm yeah I suppose you see I saw this video once of uh, this farmer who had a rat infestation in mm. his shed and then there was like there was this thing where it showed the rat he opened the door and it showed the rats running out the shed and it was like they just kept coming it was like a million gallon gallon tub tank of water was being poured out but instead of drips it was rats and it was like oh man or if a whole farms where a whole field would be just like rat infestated type of thing that's what I... Is that a, is it, are you admitting to an, uh, a phobia? I'm admitting to, an, a, to a phobia to of a To a very, swarm. very specific... No, no. A swarm of rats on a farm. No, no. If you, if you <laughs> no, no. Them, I mean, it's not as specific as some of the ones you just called out. Oh, true, true enough, true enough. But that is pretty specific. But a swarm. Just swarms of stuff where you have no control. Well, swarms of people. No, I'm... Like if you go to a concert, there's like... No, that, that literally doesn't bother me at all. Ironic. That swarm. is one phobia that I would actually understand. Actually, actually, okay... I mean, the the thing that you're the thing that that is the swarm has to be small small okay yeah yeah which are just swarms of creepy crawlies I think most people would be a bit kind of Ugh, about something like that it would be, Ugh. and and again that's more of a, that's more rational yeah but I think a phobia is, is different a phobia is like an irrational fear well, and when you can't like, control oh, and when can't, you can't yeah can't function look at it or go near it or yeah you can't function because of it. 
But yeah, just very when you were talking about ants, there's something that you reminded me of. I had to look it up real quick just to make sure I got the numbers right because I heard this and it's literally unbelievable to go on, me. Go on. Uh, actually, I'll just ask you to guess. How many ants are on Earth per person? There's probably one for, there's probably a billion for every person. Oh God, no, not that much. A billion. That would mean if there's like, what, nine billion people, then there's nine billion, nine billion, billion nine ants. Nine trillion ants? No, there's not that many. Okay. No, then it's... way off. It, <laughs> do you want to guess or what? <laughs> Any, anything smaller than that is going to be so disappointing. I know, I just realised that. It's like, whenever you're going to tell someone anything, like, guess how much this was, and you want to show off what a good bargain you got. Yeah. They're obviously going to assume, well, clearly... I have to guess low because it's obviously was cheap. So then you're going to, and you might guess it, and then it's like, oh, I should never have freaked it. <laughs> should have just come out with it. Yeah. How many ants are there? 2.5 million ants per person. So if there was an ant human war, in order to win, each human on earth would have to kill 2.5 million ants. Oh, that's a lot of ants. I mean, magnifying magnifying glass in each hand. Yeah, but okay, so while they're correct, okay, so you have your two magnifying glasses in your hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm dual wielding. Yeah. yeah, dual wielding. At that time, there's literally a hundred thousand ants they can't going up each other. And you know, don't oh, run yeah. away because a swarm of tiny <laughs> ants. <laughs> they can't get past my uh, outer defenses, though. Yeah. A load of salt. So ants can't get past salt. I don't know, is it salt they don't like? I no, wait, think you're mixing that up with banshees. Huh? Slugs. There's something demons. Like. That's it. Demons and ghosts and magics, yeah. Uh, but there's definitely something ants don't like. I think. It's, I think. I think. I don't think that maybe. Maybe it's not salt. I'd find out what it was. And I'd put a ring of that around myself. <laughs> Candy links and then it lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. kill quite a lot of them quite quickly that mm, way. Gross. That's me done. Oh, well, okay. Um, okay, so uh, Linda told me this thing, and it's really, it's really interesting. Uh, you know the song. You know, remember who is it? The, who's the rapper that was shot, and they had the song about him every every step. You'd... I know exactly what you're going to talk about. It was in the news this week. Yeah, it was uh, it? P, yeah, P, yeah. P Diddy's cover, uh, or not cover, but sampling of "Every Breath You Take" by the Police. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was after uh, um, the Notorious B.I.G. Notorious B.I.G. was That's shot after, yeah. after the Notorious B.I.G. was shot. Whenever the hell that song came out, okay. They've had to, the PDD has had to pay Sting $5,000 a day since. And will do for the rest of his life. A day? A day. Apparently Sting was being interviewed. So what happened was, PDD was, was kind of giving up on everything and his, because his friend was shot. And then he was lying around one day and he heard Every Breath You Take and he thought, oh, that, that it kind of inspired him to write music and he wrote a song, built it around that there's song. Inspired? And then there's, I'm going to copy these lyrics down. Exactly. And steal music. your homework. Um... And then they did the whole, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. They did that and they released the song and then said, hey, can we use your music? And Sting said, yeah, it's fine, but you shouldn't have used it without my permission kind of thing. And there was a court case and, he, and Sting won. But Sting was being interviewed and he was told, oh, yeah, yeah he's going to pay me like, I don't know, $2,000 or something every day. Uh, and then PTD came out and corrected him and said, it's $5,000 every day for the rest of my life. Whoa. There's no way that was profitable for him, no matter how many... I mean, it, it made his career. The guy is obviously a multi, 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 multi. Okay, so wait. Yeah, that's I guess that's 365 true. generally by five. Mm-hmm. Someone do math in your head without looking at your computer. I am but not even going to try. No, wait, wait, wait. Three for cool. Five by three hundred and fifteen. It's, it's one point five million, is it? I have no idea. I'm not going to even try. No, oh, no, it's only only. 
It's only what? It's only hundred. It's only enough money for a man never to work ever again for the rest of his life because he's getting five thousand dollars a day. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was super interesting. It's yeah. super interesting, yeah. and it does make you think. Like, you kind of forget a that P did his career outside of Ireland. We knew him for a handful of songs, but and this is something that I, I read into a little bit about it as well because it, it was fascinating to me. Like, he has a massive net worth, huge uh, sales and music, but a lot of these, a lot of a lot of these guys, what they do is they're they make money because every time your song is played, the the singer gets a cut, the producer gets a cut, and the writer gets a cut. Okay? So if you're producing and writing and singing your own stuff, oh, yeah. you're getting all that money. But also, the likes of Pharrell Williams and all these guys, they do a massive amount of produ- production uh, and writing. So and, and Ed Sheeran as well is another one. He, does well, he writes a ton of stuff. A ton of yeah. stuff. Uh, and I think he produces as well. He's in the studio all the time, whether mm. it's with himself or with other people. So they've got these credits... On hundreds of songs all over the place, and they're getting a few, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a couple of pennies every time Spotify play that song. Um, so that's essentially they have that massive passive income. But on that, do you know? I shouldn't even the table. On that, do you know why? Okay, do you know that Taylor Swift has released the Taylor version of loads of her songs? No, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay, so Taylor Swift started off how many years ago? Okay. And she got a record deal somewhere along the way, and she used to do loads of country music, and then she used to write loads of her own music as well, and then she used to um, get people to write songs for her and all this kind of stuff, okay? But then, about a few years ago, it's like, uh, I don't know, four years ago or something, okay? There was a huge, massive court case where Taylor Swift said, you know what, I'm not happy with this anymore. Taylor Swift wanted to do... She didn't... So, while Taylor Swift sang the song, and while Taylor Swift might have owned the song, do you understand? Okay. So, let's say, what's a Taylor Swift song? Um, Shake It Off. Shake It Off. Shake It Off. So, Taylor Swift sings Shake It Off. Taylor Swift might own Shake It Off. But when when Shake It Off was being played on the radio... Taylor Swift only got a tiny cut of the song, Shake It Off. Mm. So she was like, why is this? Okay. And the reason is that while she didn't own the, she didn't own the recording of Shake It Off that was being played on the radio. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why she went and she recorded her whole back catalogue again. She Uh, re-recorded all of them. Okay. And then that back catalogue became known as the Taylor version type of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, she didn't write that one. She didn't write Shake It Off. Uh, Max Martin did. Yeah. Now, but Max, I get the gist at least of. Max Martin, though, is fascinating. Max Martin is, Max Martin is a Swedish songwriter. I have him up here because we were talking about this. He, he popped into my head. Um, so he's he's written or co-written 25 uh, number one songs right, for different artists. Hmm. Um, and he's produced and co-produced, um, most of which he produced or co-produced, right? Yeah. So he's getting money. Every time that song is played, he's getting paid as co-writer or producer for 25 number one songs. Songs including Damn. Shake It Off. Oh. Uh, I Kissed a Girl. Um, one More Night by Maroon 5. Um, there's just a ton of them. He's um, he's a songwriter with the third most number one singles uh, on the charts behind only Paul McCartney and John Lennon. No way. Yeah, Paul McCartney has 32, John Lennon has 26. He's tied with George Martin for the most number one... Songs what? as a producer with 23. Actually, what's shocking about that is 
the influence of the Beatles, which sounds it's still going, which yeah. sounds ridiculous if you're a Beatles fan. So he has worked with um, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Pink, Usher, Avril Lavigne, Jesse J, Katy Perry, Christina Aguilera, Aguilera, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, Coldplay, and a ton of others. Um, bon Jovi, even like the, like he's crossed over all sorts of genres and everything. Yeah, absolutely fascinating guy. Read up on him; he's very very interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, like just as a writer and a producer, he's been churning out the hits for Max years and American. making Max money. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So, a what what is it all to my Jiminy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my kind of I guess little story of the week kind of ties into the main story of the week as well. Um, basically, the Pentagon. Trace, obviously, whenever there's a classified documents leak, they need to always try to trace back. Where did it come from? Where did it leak first? And there was some documents about the Ukraine war that had gone out in the public. Mm. And uh, there were two versions. There was the version that had gone out in the West, which was a revealing casualty statistics about, you know, Bakhmut, that place that's been bombed for eight months or something. But um, And then there was a other version in it, Russia, which was a bit edited to make the Russians look good in it. But... Basically, the Pentagon were trying to figure out where it came from, who, oh, who yeah, released it, who, yeah, yeah, who leaked yeah. it initially. And they actually traced it back to um, a Discord server where gamers were, there's a gaming channel oh, where loads yeah. of gamers can just, you know, go there and this talk about ridiculous. games and go playing games yeah. together. But uh, they were on the channel, two gamers were arguing to and fro about the Ukraine war. So one of them said, oh yeah, have a look at these classified documents. And he sent them the documents on the group. And the documents were the ones that the Pentagon were trying try, try to... This is where it kind of went public first. Now, it was actually somewhere else first and ended up there, but that's where it went public. It ended up on 4chan afterwards and all that kind of stuff. But um, I found it hilarious that they had uh, that they traced it back. But the thing is, just the article that I was reading that was talking about this um, just showed that a lot of, I guess, intelligence leaks happen in the gaming community. And I don't know if you know the game War Thunder. Yes. It's a game, it's actually free to play, and it's a game about tanks. So you're kind of a tank commander shooting other tanks kind of thing. But um, it's hyper-realistic. So the tanks will be the perfectly kind of, the armor in the front will be just like the real tank. So if you're fighting that kind of tank, no point shooting it in the front, you got to try to go and flank it or whatever. But um, since 2020, there's been at least 10 intelligence leaks traced back to the War Thunder gaming community. <laughs> and some of them were from... Um, well, I'm going to say gamers. When I say the term gamers, you know this, but I'm going to just say it for our listeners, I guess. Gamers could mean someone who is an actual tank commander, because some one of them did claim that he was. But uh, they actually sometimes sent the classified documents that were leaked or obtained illegally to the War Thunder developers and said, see, read that. This tank has a better armor in the back or something like that. Or the turret moves faster. And the developers are like, no, 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 we're not going to read it. Do not send us this stuff. Yeah. We're, not gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're deleting this immediately. Yeah. And you'll never influence us, so don't even try kind of thing. Oh, but uh, I found it oh, so funny. God, that's hilarious. But, um, You're working as a developer and somebody says to you, I actually built these tanks. Yeah. I am the chief engineer. But um, or you know when uh, Edward Snowden did that big uh, release or yeah. le- leak, I guess, for the NSA? Um, one of the things that came out of that, everyone knows it was like, oh, the American people are spying on their own, or the American government is spying on their own people. But one of the things as well is 
they were spying on, they were basically monitoring all Xbox Live communications as well. Because they figured gamers are, you know, that's the community where, it's not that a lot of terrorism comes from it, but if you look at people who are likely to be terrorists, they're probably young, influenceable kind of people also happen to be, you know, they're going to be gamers. Um, yeah, which I found funny. And, uh, but also I was thinking, imagine if me and you, I always just thought this, and I always thought this before reading this article anyway, you know, the FBI or whatever are trying to monitor everyone's communications for picking up, because you do wonder how do they prevent half of the terrorist stuff that they do? How do they know? Yeah. A lot of them is people go to them and say, hey, this person over there is planning something. But a lot of them is just, they monitor comms and stuff. But I was always thinking, if I was going to do terrorism, or, you know, I would just meet someone in a game lobby of a game. Because if you're chatting there and you're saying, hey, let's take the bomb and go over there and blow that up and kill them people, it just sounds like, nah, that's just an average Tuesday with somebody talking about a game. Yeah, in Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I found that hilarious. But even the NSA have people whose job it is to just be infiltrate um, Azeroth, World of Warcraft. Imagine that as a job. Hello, wow. fellow gamers. <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, I, I just I found that yeah, hilarious. It um, is. It is. And if you watch any of the procedurals uh, in CIS or uh, Law and Order or any, uh, you mm-hmm. will find an episode where that exact thing. Oh, the the terrorists were using uh, this 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 computer game, Craft of War trade. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They don't give the actual no. name. They give a name and where you like it. And, and 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 there's always someone going, "What? What is that?" And someone goes, "What? This game is." millions of users and they try and explain what an MMORPG to an audience of <laughs> retired people who don't have yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's simplified for the people that don't game but it's that idea that they met, they meet in these lobbies and they have these secret conversations because you can't track it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And yeah, that's exactly what you were saying there but like, literally every single procedure over the last 10, 15 years that trope has been used. Hmm. It's, it's, I've seen it so many times. It's amazing, like. Um, so here's one to tie into the main topic that we have which is gaming although you've both touched on it loads Um, do you know the way that there was Donkey Kong okay yes now I don't know if this is true because I didn't look into it in about 15 years okay but I heard really I should look into this first however with that said here goes I heard that remember the they ship the Donkey Kong boxes. I know, exactly, I know exactly what you're going to say. The arcade cabinets. When, because it's a Japanese game, like mm-hmm. Nintendo. It is Nintendo, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, they were filling in the paperwork to say, you know, this is a Japanese game, but the American name is this. And I'm just going to say it. We obviously know, but for the sake of our listeners, because I'm going to operate from this point forward, because we're now talking about the main topic. Yes. Video games. Yeah. So I'm going to engage, you know, not everybody listening is a gamer and nerd who knows all this gaming stuff. So I'm going to maybe... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but definitely will be basically, loads. Um, they were filling in the paperwork to say, in the West, it's going to be called this. And Donkey Kong is a game about a big monkey throwing barrels and whatever. So you would wonder, why is it called Donkey Kong if it's about a monkey? But allegedly, and I don't know if this is an urban legend and no one has a heart to... What is it? Don't let a don't let the truth go yeah, yeah, yeah. a good story. Yeah. But apparently, and I actually think it's true, they they somebody did a typo and wrote a D instead of an M. So it was meant to be Monkey Kong, because King Kong is a big monkey. Oh, okay. he's a gorilla okay. or whatever, but um, but somebody did a boo-boo and made a D instead of an M. 
So they were just like, well, all the cap, the physical, these are arcade cabinets, yeah, the, the big, big wooden, things, wooden yeah. boxes with the writing on the side, and they were all printed and launched and ready to go. So they're like, well, it's too late to change it now. So it's called Donkey Kong now, kind of thing. So basically, um, and the oh. it is not true. Not true, according to Snoops. Yeah, yeah. But the amazing thing, I actually watched a documentary years ago. And even to this day, that game, which is from the early 80s, might even be, is it, yeah? Um, It's still played competitively, where people are still trying to play the game and complete the levels within a certain amount of time. And it's got to the point where you literally have to play for hours a day, every day, all the time, to shave a second off the record kind of thing. Mm. And the documentary itself is very good. No idea what the name is, but... Believe it or not, one of the people who was competitive while he was successful in his career was Marshall Mathers. All right. Eminem. Eminem was a Donkey Kong pro. Yeah, he was. Uh, an, no, he wasn't the world champion. No, no, but he was in like the top five or something. Which for a game that you just obsessively have to play forever, it just—I was amazed. That is, that's that's it's weird. Good. That's good. That's and for anyone who doesn't know, Snoops is a website that do um, investigation stuff on. Uh, what would you call them? They debunk. Urban yeah. Urban yeah, they debunk yeah. or... Oh, yeah, okay. Or they confirm or debunk. Yeah, they, yeah. Co- yeah, they confirm or debunk uh, urban myths, legends, stories of all kinds. Uh, it's an absolutely fascinating website and I really hope they're legit and above board. And they do. I think they are, though. I think they are. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you kind of rely on them. You refer to it a lot, yeah. I do. I do. I love Snoops. I love Snoops. You refer to it a lot as well, I think. But, so anyway, Donkey Kong's released, okay? But as you said, Mark, in the description... Donkey Kong um, is about this monkey who goes kind of up these tilting scaffold kind of tilting kind of levels and he throws barrels down on early Mario, okay? Jumpman. Jumpman, is it? Yeah, that's what he was called back in the day. Oh, right, okay. He he was only named after that. He was named after American, the Nintendo's American Warehouse's boss. Mario. Mario something. Well, that's interesting that that Nintendo did that because... um, Nintendo were brought to court by, I don't know if it's, it's one of the companies, whoever owned King Kong, okay? okay. So whoever owned King Kong, thought, I think it might have been Paramount, but they took, they took, they took Nintendo to court, okay? And they were like, hey, you're ripping off um, King Kong. So the legal team said, okay, for us to find out properly what the, like, get some researcher, they went to Japan, they found out, oh, there's, they refer, they, they understand the word Kong as like, you know, uh, big and kind of like, you know, um, like burly and strong type okay. of thing, okay? So there's loads of, there's a, a, someone Kong was a wrestler back there in the 80s. There was loads of references to Kong. So this guy came back and he was like, hey, and he, he ended up winning the case basically because he was like, look, this is, the name came from Japan. So if it, like, there's no case, okay? Yeah. Uh, so they were Nintendo were so happy that they named one of their characters after this guy. Right. Who's what character is Luigi? Nope. Wario. Nope. The guy's name, the lawyer's name was John Kirby. Ah, Kirby. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Kirby is a little uh, a little pink character because according to the Japanese guy, John Kirby was kind of like, you know, roundy face, so they made just his face. <laughs> and he sucks people up. Does he? That's careful, careful now. He's a, he's a that's lawyer. What Kirby does. <laughs> he's a he's lawyer. Lawyer. I think he is. 
So, um, how do we, there's a few different ways we can approach today's... Uh, well, if I can jump in. Oh yeah, go on. I want to jump start in. by just saying, um, because I'm assuming out of our hundreds of millions of listeners, there may be some that aren't gamers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of remind people why this topic is interesting, even if you're not a gamer, even if you're not a nerd, even though if you're not a gamer and not a nerd... We've already lost you earlier in the podcast, so we should have started with this. But anyway, um, the thing that amazes me about the games industry is it is so much bigger than any other industry. It's bigger than the yeah, movie entertainment industry, though, right? Well, yes, sorry, <laughs> than any other entertainment industry. Okay, okay, Correct, and a good, good, good point out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, but specifically, if you compare it to the music industry, the um, movies, movies. Even if you compare it to something like, I think, and this is an American statistic, but gaming is bigger than music, all music, all movies, all American football, Super Bowl, all baseball, all sports, all of those things put together, gaming is still bigger than it. But if you just compare worldwide, gaming compared to the movie industry and the music industry, gaming is larger than both those combined by a factor of almost three. It's just so unimaginably enormous. And it's not, and I wouldn't have even have thought that. If you ask me which is bigger, movies or games? Yeah. I mean, movies, Marvel and. Uh, but I wonder yeah. how much of that is down to the fact that over the last, say, 15 years, we've seen a huge move away from, say, make a game, release a game, make a game, release a game, to make a game, stick it on servers, make people pay uh, a monthly subscription to pay it, play it, and run it ad nauseum. Well, I hate to say this. And this is me doing gatekeeping, which is despicable. Um, but it's also differentiation I think we should make. Because I do, in my mind, break apart that there's two types of... Obviously, there's, you could break it into a million parts. But broadly speaking, there's two types of gaming. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're all on the same page thinking <laughs> the same thing. There's gaming that we grew up with. And then there's this newfangled thing now, mobile gaming. Or casual gaming. Well, I would actually not use that phrase because casual gaming can be on a PC. Yeah. But mobile gaming specifically, which could be on an iPad or whatever, but it is its own thing. And that accounts for over half of all the gaming industry. Like the games industry is 160 billion worth a year. 90 billion of that is mobile gaming. And it almost makes me a little bit sad because because when I... This is me being a games purist, which again isn't a good thing or a healthy thing at all. But there, in my mind, there's different types of games. So there's like a sport game, which is obviously just a sporting event, but in a game form. Then there's something like Call of Duty, where you're just running on and that's the thing. But there are games where there's a big narrative and a storyline and high production values, like The Last of Us, which is translated into a TV show so well. But the game is still... The immersion of the game is a million times better than the TV show, if anyone could actually, you know, spare the time to play it kind of thing. But all mobile games, not all, that's unfair, the majority of mobile games are a different type of animal altogether, even though it's still bundled into the game's world. Because most mobile games, almost all of them, all the developers, have psychologists on board whose job it is to say, how do we keep this game, uh, keep making it addictive? I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, 
And I'm going from memory here, so I may be a little bit wrong, but there's a psychologist called Skinner, and he did this experiment where you put a rat in a box, and the rat has this option of press a button that'll give him water or press a button that'll give him some cocaine or something. And they'll just keep pressing the, the button to get the drug continually until he dies. Now, there's other experiments that show that when you put a rat in a box and he's nothing else to do, what else is he going to do? But ultimately, it's that's called Skinner's box. And the job of psychologists working on a mobile app would be take the player and put them in a mobile virtual Skinner's box and keep them pressing the button. Keep, them do, keep getting that dopamine hit. Yeah, exactly. And I never actually played it specifically because I was scared to. But um, Candy Crush Candy Crush is the ultimate example. And I did hear once, and I do not know if this is true. In fact, I'm assuming it's not true. But it's still a story I heard that they had more actual psychologists on board than games developers. Because the game itself is so simple. You know, the, from a development point of view. And it's the type of game that's existed in a million different formats yeah. since the 80s. But that particular iteration was so addictive because it was optimized perfectly with that right balance of keep you wanting to keep going but not frustrating enough to make you quit kind of thing forever. And anyone who is a casual gamer, as you said, but who has played Candy Crush knows exactly what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. But So I'm going to take a back <coughs> a step and go, even though it's really obvious, and it's going to be obvious pretty much to everyone who's listening, but define what is a computer game. Do you want me to start? One of you. Okay. Um, defining a, an actual computer game, do you, are you talking about PC computer game or are you just talking about a video game? Yeah, I was just going to say to okay. argue okay. semantics to, here. Yeah, we need to semantify this. So, because is, uh, a video game. Yeah. You go back and talk about Pong, or you talk, go back and talk about Pac Man. I'm talking about video games in that case. So, yeah. video games. So, yeah. Um, how do you define what a video game is? I mean, you go back and you look at Pong. Right, yeah. that's the that's the Adam and Eve of the video games, right? Yeah. That is the first kind of commonly yeah, regarded accepted, accepted yeah. one, yeah. Uh, and such a simple concept. It was just a ping pong game on on, on uh, probably I assume the games cabinet. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how they started, wasn't it? The, the pong was was that believe it or not, it ended up in a games cabinet, but it would have started off on some kind of console. Yeah, the consoles were big before the games cabinets arcades thing, even though they came almost at the same time. Yeah, which came first, the con arcade or consoles? Is it? Yep. Oh. The like the Atari ST or the Atari, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, but would have been even before that. There were other, but the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was the first big games console that that kind yeah. of became popular. Okay, all, all my all, all my gaming um, my gaming history, I suppose, is in the shadow of your gaming history, because I never actually owned uh, a console or a game ever. Uh, up until I was, I was growing up before all, yeah, all, yeah. so all of my was, all my gaming my initial gaming was done on your Commodore 64 so we were talking about 1942 and uh, Mermaid Madness and uh, yeah. the, uh, was it Last Ninja yeah. Yeah. Mr. Angry <laughs> uh, I don't remember Mr. Angry Bree's favourite game yeah, um, so that was my initial that was my intro, introduction to uh, gaming and the first thing I had that could play games was a 486 that Mark gave me uh, now for those isn't am I am I that four eight six and that would yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. this is the Pentium chip that everyone will be familiar with everyone has heard of Pentium um, so before the Pentium the Pentium is Pinta five 
so before there was the 486 and it was the computer that Mark gave me that Diablo built on it he had Diablo oh, yeah, yeah. and I loved that I played the heck out of it um, and that was the, that, that was in my 20s when I wow got that. really yeah yeah um, so that was, that was my kind of gaming and then you know then eventually I got uh, playstations and I bought better computers and stuff like that but um, but that, that would have been my introduction to it um, but watching and growing up with it I mean kids today when they start gaming they start gaming in things like Call of Duty or you know games like that that the graphics were just so incredible in it we grew up with uh, 8-bit yeah mm-hmm. I'm always jealous of kids today I'm thinking I don't, I don't I'm not I'm not. I love the fact that we grew. We watched it grow from well, eight bit to sixteen bit, thirty two bit to whatever the heck bit yeah, it is now. I see <laughs> games like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven now, and I'm thinking, if, if I, had, I time, had this when I was a kid, and I had loads of time, yeah, I had loads of time then. Yeah. Now I have all these amazing games, and I've no time, time to play any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah there is that. There and is that. There is a curse of the Steam library. Yeah, where the Steam library, just to I don't know, say it out to anyone who may not know, it's a online sales platform where there's oftentimes games that are for sale and you can pick it up really cheap so you'll just buy it on impulse because it's only a few quid but everyone has a ton of games in their library that they're never going to play and I know I probably have 200 games in my library and I've probably played 15 and I know for a fact that when I die 90% of them will never be played and it's the same for everyone and here's the thing we grew up with again with the games on the Commodore 64 where if, if 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 I was to estimate and going from memory you won over a hundred games for that thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I guess we would. How yeah, many yeah. would you have finished? Oh right. Honestly, uh, I can't remember. Probably, probably not few. that many. Actually, probably yeah, very few, so. I'd say. So we, I'd, I'd imagine if you had about hundred games, you'd probably finish fifteen or twenty of them, maybe. Oh no, another chance. There's another chance we finish fifteen. Then. So you, you think even less? Oh, definitely. I, I, okay, I'll put this way: I can't remember any. Because <laughs> for this. Because the thing is that, and what younger, if anyone's younger is listening to this, is is that this is way before internet, way before ma- even magazines were rare mm, yeah. to get. So you bought a game, you had absolutely no idea. Oh, yeah. The game did not hold your hand. The game, they didn't have tutorials even. Yeah. So you just thrown right into the game. Here you go, off you go, figure it out. Oh, this button does that, and away you went. You had no, you didn't have a uh, like nowadays. The game will hold your hand and bring it to the end. Yeah. Almost quite literally, and if if it's not, if you're stuck, you've got wikis and you've got. Yeah. Remember the game? Yeah, YouTube is amazing for when you get stuck. Back in the day, if you got stuck five minutes into a game on something simple, well, if you can't figure it out, you're done. There was a moment, I remember there was a moment in uh, The Last Ninja that we were stuck on for ages. There was a door. There was a door. No, no, not the door. Oh, the door as well. You had to kick the door. But there was another place where you had to jump. There was like a fire. the ledge, yeah. There was a fire that was fire out or something. You had to jump, but if you were a pixel off, you didn't make it. And for ages, we were like, this is the only direction. We can't go anywhere. We've done everything else. There's nowhere else we can go. And we were hours trying to perfect that jump. Because we figured that's the only place. So, I have a question. Okay. You know the way... Actually, Mart, you were going to define what a computer game is. Oh, or are you happy um, with that definition? Well, I mean, I guess for me, a computer game, if I was to look at a definition of it more high level, I'd be just saying it's some kind of entertainment that's interactive. Like, I would consider a movie or even listening to music to be passive. And I'd listen, consider a book to be... Yeah, interactive okay. or engaging, but maybe engaging, but not as interactive. A video game is more you're interacting with it. You're immersed. And yeah, and modern games are almost like ones that are storylines are almost like an interactive movie. Yeah. Whereas, say, older games would not have been that interactive movie element. It'd be a lot more. 
do the same thing over and over, like Pac-Man. You eat all the 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 pills or whatever they are, and then once you've cleared the thing, you go and you've got exactly the same screen, but just slightly speed it up and yeah. do that a hundred times or two hundred fifty-six times before a crash. But uh, so yeah, I guess interactivity would be the main part of the definition if I was to go that way. Yeah. Where did I hear the? Uh, did I see it on a film or something where they were saying that Pac-Man? People think that it comes from. Actually, I don't know where people think it comes from, but actually comes from Puckman, which is the Japanese for flapping because his mouth would be the blong, 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 blong. And uh, the designer of Pac-Man got his idea of uh, pizza. They went out for pizza one day and they took a quarter of a pizza and they were like, oh, look, that's an interesting shape. And that's what Pac-Man was based on. Back then, they had such little memory yeah. to play with that everything was just going to be blocky, blocky pixelated yeah. forms anyway. So it was like, because I remember hearing about the game Indiana Jones. But then when you look at it, it's like, that's just a bunch of pixels that doesn't look anything like yeah, Indiana it Jones. It doesn't look like anything like anything. And it never could have, yeah. you know, back then. So. Yeah, but I remember when the... Pixels uh, on the screen. I remember when um, the Sega Mega Drive came out. And it was... Uh, was that 8-bit or 16-bit? I think Mega it was 16-bit. 16-bit. Yeah. I remember seeing and, that. And seeing the, the graphics on it was just like... Oh my god. That was like, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. and uh, Mortal Kombat. Well, I remember the first game I saw on it was Sonic the Hedgehog because I remember this and I've had this feeling a few times in my life until I realized stop. I just saw it and I realized, well, this is the pinnacle of computer graphics. It not only will it never be better, it can never be better. I remember the moment I saw it, uh, Richard Long and Ronnie's. It just blew me away and I was like for everything I've seen, this is a thousand times better than it. I just couldn't imagine anything better. Yeah, it was actually the background, the music, yeah, everything was just actually. This, this is interesting because I was going to ask the question. You know the way if, you know the way if your brain gets a certain amount of pleasure for something, yeah. Okay. Don't okay. mean it. Uh, I, you'll see where I'm going with okay, this, go right? On. You get a certain amount of pleasure from playing a computer game. Okay. Yeah. Is if you get let's say, quote unquote, lots of pleasure from that, okay? Is there like, is there, is there, is there more pleasure that you can get from if you play a different kind of game? It does or does your pleasure amount that you get from a game top out at a certain thing, or is it extra good because the pleasure lasts for longer? Thing. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, kind of, but th- that's a, a psychological question of. And, and but here, here's where I'm coming from. It's we would say today, it's obvious that the games are better today, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I, in some ways. Definitely. In some ways, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I mean because the fun and the pleasure that you would have gotten from playing Space Invaders. Or oh, something, now I understand what you're going to. Yeah. yeah. Is are the games like clearly? The, the, it, there's no argument that the games are better the graphics are better and stuff and, and the audio the, the, the audio is better in some way but they don't have those like the like when you played the old games and they, they had to be really like sparing with sound effects and stuff there were like bings and like certain things that when you heard them they were like but I'll, tr- I'll try to break this down yeah. because I think what you're saying is let's say a child in 1983 got X amount of fun out of a particular video game yes and a child in 2023 do they get the same x amount of fun from playing a video game even though in every objective measurement standard the it's graphics better. and the yeah. the gameplay and even the psychology that's been put into a game to make it more enjoyable 
is that X amount of fun still the same? But then you can go back another 40 years to 19, I don't know, 53 or whatever it is, and say a child who's tapping a wheel down a road with a stick because that's what you did back then or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they got X amount of fun out of that. Is it the same? Really? I guess I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I think it is because when you see... It is the same. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it is the same. It has to be because especially if, if you're talking about that from that point of view where um, Ugg rolling a rock down a hill flash forward a thousand years rolling this this wheel with a stick rock flash forward to modern times family rock yeah, flash forward modern times kids playing computer games it's what they know and it's what they it's what their brain rewards them for it's what the dopamine hit get, comes from so but if you give a modern child an old toy they look at it for a few seconds and go yeah that's not doing it for me like do you know, so yeah, I think, yeah, it, depending on the limitations of technology, yeah, they're, they're going to get the same sort of dopamine hit for whatever the game of the day is. But I suppose the big difference is when you play something like Candy Crush or even Instagram or TikTok is a perfect example of it as well, where when you swipe, you're, you're feeding the hit. Every time you swipe, it's like... Or tap. Or tap. You've succeeded in... Your brain tells you, like, yay, you've done it again, well done. You've done it again, well done. You didn't get that from... Yeah, there's more psychology in modern games. Which would explain... Because I suppose people would have gotten addicted to Pac-Man back in the day. Oh, yeah. It's just that there are more people addicted to more games today. And that's because of the easier access. They're designed in such a way where they feed you... They feed you more. But well, also back in the day, if you wanted to, if, not if you wanted, but if, if you were lived in a city and there was an arcade nearby and you could walk in and there was Pac-Man, you could walk in and play it. If you lived out in the countryside, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't do that. <laughs> Nowadays, everyone has an incredibly powerful computer in their pocket yeah. with all of those games available on them. Mm. And, you know, for children, they get, their, they get a hold of mom and dad's credit card or something. They're loot boxing their way to yeah. the poor house. <laughs> now, you've used a word... Don't know that will make this almost change the topic of the conversation, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, which I hadn't really thought about when we were going to talk about video games, but it's an obvious one video game addiction. Mm. Because I definitely feel it's a term that's bandied around way too easily and readily by the media or by parents or whatever. Because addiction is a very specific thing, and I don't know how to define it very loosely. I would say it's like to me, anyway, it's a physiological addiction. I don't know if addictive behavior that is just, you know, I like watching television a lot. Oh, you're addicted to TV. Wait, though, are you? Or is it yeah, just yeah, that I you just like it? If you say, I like heroin a lot, and I really have to have a hit every 12 hours or yeah. whatever it is. Well, yeah, that's a physiological addiction. <laughs> yeah. And I'm using two extreme examples yeah. to illustrate the point. The truth good. is somewhere in between. But video game addiction... I'm sure it's a thing because, as you said, you get your dopamine hit every time you tap the screen. And yeah. if you, some people, I'm sure, are physiologically addicted to that. But I'd say video game addiction is a thing somewhere in a very small minority of cases. And then there's a large majority of other people that are labeled as, oh, video game addicts, without really being. And I don't know, am I dismissing a real problem? Or that's what my, my inclination or my gut tells me, you know, is the reality. I think. I think that the first, I should look this up. I think that the first um, 
addiction center for video games is open re- in England recently. So it is a thing. It's the, and, well, and, and so just because and, there's a center where somebody said, "I will open up a business and make profit from this business," yeah, doesn't necessarily make it really a thing either. No, of course not. Of course not. But this is the it's a the what's the 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 name of the English HSE and the uh, NHS. The NHS. I think it's the NHS that it opened it. That like doesn't, it, that it, doesn't necessarily, like, I agree with doesn't necessarily no, no. make anything either. Yeah, I know. But it's like saying, if you open up, it's like, oh, we've opened up an Alcoholics Anonymous in Cairo. But that doesn't mean they're Alcoholics in Cairo. But it might not necessarily mean it. I mean, you're, you're, you're no, wait, drawing well, causal connections. Where yes. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that they're not there, but I'm not saying that they're necessarily there either. Yeah, but why would you say they're not there? Because I'm being over-defensive about the gaming community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I am. You can stop anytime you want. Oh yeah, I just choose <laughs> not to forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't game that much anymore. Uh, no, not really. Well, well nah, a little bit. Yeah, but not, not as much as I would want. But that. Yeah, yeah. But And, and you, I'm assuming you don't game as much as you would like. <laughs> no, and definitely, I definitely not. Don't game Put it this way. Like, I got yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 on its release date two years and four months ago. And I've played about seven hours. No, but I'll, I'm working my way through it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get past the tutorial one of these days. Um, yeah, I, I was looking at the games on just on on again on, on a single platform on Steam. Um, I looked at the games on that, the games I spent the most time in, and top of that list is Fallout Four. Oh, more than Skyrim. More than Skyrim, yeah, a good bit more than Skyrim at at one thousand six hundred ninety nine hours for uh, Fallout Four. One thing I always wonder about that though, does that count if you pause it? Unsure. Need to test that. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, still, <laughs> either way, that's an awful lot of hours. <laughs> a lot of hours. Uh, but I did it four years ago. I sent, I, uh, I sent a thing around uh, in one of our groups and uh, nobody really picked up on it where I totaled up my top 10 and the amount of hours and then broke that down into the so many months I've spent gaming. Just and we that we actually did have a meeting and decided to do an intervention and everything, but then we just never got around to it. Because we were gaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, uh, look at the um, our mysterious person who randomly texts us every now and again on WhatsApp. An estimated 3.3% of gamers worldwide suffer from gaming addiction. That's tiny. Okay, That's actually, now that I think of it, especially... But there, I'm sure I, and now that I think of it, sorry. Now that I think of it, I know a person who actually got, had to go and get help for gaming addiction. Okay, no, it's definitely a thing. All I was really trying to say is the term is loosely... Yeah, okay, I am rolling back a bit. The term is easily thrown about, especially by the media. But I will say, um, yeah, you hear stories of people in um, Korea for some reason all the time who literally... I saw a video actually the other day on Reddit of um, a guy who just died sitting at the computer in, a, in, oh, a, in an old, internet cafe. The old heart attack. Yeah, but it's yeah. just... Yeah, so they obviously yeah. are. Yeah, they are obviously are addicts, I guess. Um, so it really, I think it really started. Um, people really started talking about video game addiction. I think after World of Warcraft came out, that was I think one of the first times. Like World of Warcraft came out in two thousand. I was just going to say before you proceed yeah. again for our millions of viewers who may not be big gamer heads, tell us what World of Warcraft oh, yeah. is. Define World of Warcraft. Level it. Yeah. So, World of Warcraft is what they called an MMORPG. MMORPG mm-hmm. is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Okay? So, it had... There were games before it that were also 
massively multiplayer and they were online. Um, Eve Online, I think, came before it. Um, Ultima Online was big time before it. So when you say massively multiplayer, there'd be 200 people playing this game? There'd be thousands of people playing uh, these games online simultaneously. Now, in most of the areas of the game, they, they would be able to interact with each other, but they'd run around. But then they have to work collaboratively together to achieve certain goals. Um, so taking down a, a boss or going through a dungeon and defeating the enemies within. Um, I, st- I didn't start playing this game at launch. I and, uh, it launched in 2004. I started playing it probably 2005, 2006, around that, somewhere around that time, maybe, maybe a year and a half or so after it came out. But I played it quite a lot for quite a few years. Um, and it was an incredible experience. The, and I still regularly, I haven't played it in years, but I still regularly talk to the people that I met in that game and they're from everywhere, from uh, Denmark down to Portugal. Like So that was that game, when that game came out and people started talking about it and I saw it firsthand, people getting addicted to it. Um, the first person I interacted with that actually played the game was a gentleman I worked with. Uh, no, I didn't actually work with him. He came and, and trained with us. He worked in a different store from the store I worked in. And, um, uh, and he was telling me about that. He came and he was training in our store and then he went back to his own store. And a few months later, I went to that store. I was working there for a little while. And I asked one of the guys, hey, where's that guy, the World of Warcraft guy? Because uh, I still wasn't playing it at this point. And one of the guys goes, oh, he quit. Oh, man, that guy's life went, oh, he's weird. He went really straight. I said, what happened? He said, he quit college. He quit his job. He broke up with his girlfriend. He moved in with his grandmother because she could get a be- she had a better internet connection in the, in the center of town. And all he does now is he's on the dole and he plays World of Warcraft. That's all he does. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and I was like, what? And that put me off playing that game. And that was only like six months after it came out or something. And I was like, oh, no way, I'm not playing that game. And then I bumped into another fellow I used to work with, and he was telling me how much fun it was, and that kind of made me want to play it again. And then I started playing it, and then I played it for years, religiously, for... Because isn't there, wasn't there a time, Merch, remember, where we kind of lost Barry? Yeah. We lost you to World of Warcraft? You lost me and Paul McCann. I remember <laughs> it was actually hard to be like, hey, Barry, we're all going out tonight, uh, you know, Friday evening beers. And you're like... Yes, I can spare a few hours. Or you have to do a raid. I'm doing a raid, man. Explain a raid. I can't can't do any. So within World of Warcraft, you had the massively multiplayer. There's lots and lots of players. You had two factions in the game. You had the Horde and the Alliance. I played on the Horde side. And within that, then, you'd had guilds. So guilds sometimes were real-life friends that met and, and joined up and created a guild. Sometimes there was random people that met in the game. Um, which is how ours started. And guilds came and went uh, all the time. Guilds just fall apart, people stop playing, real life would get in the way. So I was a member of a guild, and I had all these pe- people that I knew through the game, and I had one or two of them I knew in real life as well. And we played uh, quite... We, weren't, we would have been considered casual by most standards, even though we played nearly every night, and we raided. And a raid is where uh, anywhere between 10 and 40 players got together with a sole objective of defeating a um, a dungeon or a boss in, in the game. Well, these are high-level uh, enemies that you had to take down, and you had to take them down with teamwork. So your raid would consist of very specific um, players, types, and characters. Specific skill sets. Skill sets, yeah. Because all, all you, you chose your character in the game to be either a, a warrior or a wizard or a rogue type or a cleric type. So there were... Damage dealers, there were what they call tanks, which are basically big, meaty, 
frontline warriors and so on that could take a lot of damage. And their job was to engage the enemies while the ones that could do lots of damage did lots of damage and, when, and whilst the healers were doing their healing. Uh, and you worked together and it was very, very structured, very, very um, difficult levels of play because uh, the enemies you were fighting would have different phases, they would change tactics and you had to, at some point, you'd, you'd have to move to a certain point of the game or else the enemy would do an attack that would damage everybody. There was just tons of tactics and you just spent ages perfecting these tactics. So you would have, the guild would say, okay, we're raiding Friday night, 8 o'clock. So you had to be online, half seven usually, getting yourself ready to Basically, get materials. Basically, it was like a job. It was essentially like a job, but and a job that your, was just so much fun. But you also had your challenges. Oh, i got to do my daily challenges, uh, you know. They came later, do they this. came later, yeah. So they, when I started playing World of Warcraft, they didn't have any of those daily challenges and stuff like that. Uh, and they launched uh, an, ex- an expansion to the game before I'd actually reached the end content of the game that was there at that time. When I started playing, there was a certain level of in-game content. I, I never got to experience it, really, because this expansion came out and it sort of bypassed those. There was no point in doing mm. that. Uh, and then there another expansion, another expansion, another expansion. I played, I think, for three expansions, I think it was. What I find fascinating about it is um, any average game that you use, <coughs> you buy it, it's yours, you play it for as much as you like, you're done. But that f- model was on the subscription basis, mm. so you're paying the yeah. monthly fee. And I know what statistic amazed me. I don't know. What's the population of Ireland? Does anyone know? It's about five million now. Five. Oh, I thought it was six. But anyway, the population of World of Warcraft, as in how many people live in the game, is 8.5 million. There's more people in that game <laughs> than in Ireland. Yeah. And they're paying a monthly subscription. Now, actually, I heard it might be... Um, they're, the, the, they might lose a big amount of their player bases because some law in America were... Basically, American software on Chinese servers has changed now. So the servers that hosted World of Warcraft in China, the Chinese government wouldn't allow them to host the American software. So it has to go to some other company. At the time I read the article, I was like, oh, that could be damaging for... for but I actually never heard where it went. So sorry. Half a story. But um, but I find it amazing just how many people are in that game. Yeah. yeah I don't know how many it was in its yeah. prime. According to estimates, World of Warcraft has around 8.5 million monthly players. The estimates of World of Warcraft daily uh, players range from over 700,000 to 1.6 million players. So in other words, sorry, go on, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, interesting statistics and all. Yeah. But um, another aspect of, I guess, online games like that, particularly, that really fascinate me is um, the idea of owning an object in a game. Because oh, there's yeah, so is. many stories that, you could, that, are, that I've heard over the years about that. Yeah. I remember one time there was this two lads were like just in college and they were sharing a flat or whatever and um and they had some kind of falling out about you know usual living with people kind of thing and uh, one guy went off to college so the other guy was pissed off at him so he logged into his game i don't know was it world of warcraft or some other online game but he just got a sword got the credentials or whatever put it on ebay sold it and then sent the sword in game to whoever so when your man came back from college he was so enraged that this person had you know took away his item that he killed him in real life, in real life. Yeah. yeah, which is shocking, and I, I don't know. It makes you think, how real is a virtual object? Is you know, but another story I heard. There's a guy, and um, he he bought an asteroid in a virtual game, and he bought it for a hundred thousand dollars, and of real money of real money. Oh yeah, and this wasn't a guy who was flush with money or anything. He had to mortgage his house, or remortgage his house to make up the capital 
to buy this and I don't know what game it was in I think it was like Eve Online or Eve Online, Online or Ultima Online or one of those I don't know which one but he bought it for 100 grand and you know it's it seems like a crazy idea because that was the biggest amount of money that anyone ever spent on something in a game but then it turns out whatever asteroid he bought he he set up kind of a businesses there where there's a store that sells stuff and he rented out mining rights to the asteroid. Again, all in-game. If you're a player at the game and you're flying around in your spaceship, you pay this guy some real money of real-life currency and you can fly over to the asteroid and mine out some virtual yeah. mineral or whatever it is. But he sold it afterwards for, I think, 660 grand. He made half a million profit on something that just doesn't exist except just on a wow. server in code. That's cool, actually. Yeah. It just amazes me. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stories like that is um, there's a, I don't know, it's a guy or a group of people, and I think this is in EVE Online. EVE Online is where everyone's an asshole, is that right? <laughs> yeah. This, that's the one. Yeah, that's so, it. So, <laughs> he set up this bank, and he just told people, and again, this is all in-game, but in-game he told people, um, you can invest your money in this bank, you know, 50% or whatever, huge return, guaranteed in a month. So, you know, the first few people were very hesitant, obviously, but they tried it out and a month later they got their return and it was what they said so the word spread hey this is a great way of making money in game we don't know how it works but it works so loads of more people get going to it but all he was doing is and this is the first time I heard the word Ponzi scheme Ponzi, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty Ponzi scheme, um, yeah all he was doing is initially he had to upfront pay out the, the mm. dividends but as word spread he was getting investments from so people many. which he was using to pay off the output to other people and he just let that go for so long until he had a ton of money then he just cashed out and told everyone banks bust screw you and because it's eve online um obviously if somebody doesn't like you they can fly after you in their spaceship and blow up your spaceship and this stuff does cost real money to you know build or whatever so um he just built the biggest baddest spaceship now i don't know was it a spaceship or was it a fleet of ships in the game and a bunch of angry investors all ganged together their own ships angry and investors. they had this huge space battle because they went after him to try to kill him and he just obliterated them with his big spaceship that he used with their stolen money i was like oh my god only in gaming i think i think though for, for someone who's listening on the outside and who doesn't get what we're saying this is like they're never going to game no, 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 no. <laughs> that's for sure. No, but if someone like I remember, I remember, remember Farmville. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember speaking to one of my friends, and he was like, "I was like, hey, how are things?" And he was like, "Oh, good. I have to. I don't know if he paid rent. Okay, uh, he did, but he had certain bills. Okay, and he was like this bill and this bill and this bill, and then he had some money left over, so he spent it on getting something and buying something in Farmville. Now." So, it's like, it's so common. They're called microtransactions, okay? A small little transaction where it's like, eh, you just spend like two or three euro on this thing because, you know, it's only two or three euro. So, if you're playing a game like a, like Candy Crush and if you're like saying, oh, like you might have to collect a certain type of diamond or something where if you had 600 of these, that if you die, you're able to spend your 600 di diamonds and now you can have another life or something like you know so we all know this but but then you can go into the online shop that's in candy crush and you can buy more diamonds for example mm -hmm. and then and you just end up spending real money and the thing of uh if you're not used to uh to computer games like 
it would be shocking to you to find out how much money is spent on microtransactions. And that's where a huge problem of that's where a huge problem is in gaming like. And this is one of the reasons why mobile gaming makes so much money. There was a game I played a little while on mobile. Uh, it was one of the Star Wars games. It was like one of those collectible games where you built up a team and oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And now I've played a lot of those games. I've never spent a penny on them. I played them because they're 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 called free to play. Yeah. But they have microtransactions that you just mentioned, so you can buy you can do so many actions an hour, but if you pay a little teeny little bit of money, you can do an extra action an hour. Yeah. Uh, this kind of stuff. And I never bothered with that stuff. But there are players in those games and they call them whales. Oh yes. So these are guys who have either they just have tons of money or they spend all their money. Uh, they don't have have it to spend, but they spend it on these games. And they literally spend thousands upon thousands of euros to to have the best deck of cards or, or the best set of characters in these games. Uh, I can't say much. Look at I can't say much because I spent I don't know how much money, uh, you know, with my monthly subscriptions on World of Warcraft. But to me, I was able to get everything in that game that to, to build my characters up just by playing the game. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the these guys and and other you know people who are addicted to these games will spend money just to be able to play the game a little bit more. You know, because they'll have three say Candy Crush. I think you get you know, say you have three lives. And if you lose, look, you have three, so that's three goals. And, and once those three goals are gone, you've got to wait an hour for yeah. another goal. But you can pay real money to get another goal. Yeah. And people pay real money to, to, mm-hmm. to have those other goals. So as a game, as a company, as a, as a way of making money, it's, it's, it's so simple because people want their dopamine hit. And they've got mm-hmm. 20 minutes left on their lunch. And, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I might have to converse with yeah. people at this dinner table and I suffer from <laughs> dipinophobia. Um, so I'm going to stay on my phone. I'm going to spend yeah. my 150 and get another yeah. life and have another goal. It's yeah. an amazingly simple thing, but I, I, I don't equate that with video games, really. I see it as a, it's a thing. It's a, it's definitely a game and stuff. But for me, when we talk about video games, I'm talking about the games that I love, and I'm very specific. And if I give you a list of my favorite games, you 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 kind of well, yeah, that's the kind of game Barry likes for sure. And they're all not World of Warcraft esque, but they definitely have that. There's you know what? Of it in the there. three of us. Go on. I was just gonna say, if you throw it out there though, if you compare one of these mobile games, which basically are, I would define them as simple, repetitive, and almost, you know, doing the same thing over and over to get these incremental gains. That's not unlike a game, like if you go back to the 80s, like Pac-Man or Space Invaders, mm-hmm. where it's simple, it's repetitive, and if you finish the level, you do exactly the same level again, just slightly speed it up. But the funny thing is, World of Warcraft is like that. I don't think it was when I was playing it, because when you did the raids and you did get a, a new piece of equipment, it was typically a pretty big step up. Um, but I believe in the last number of, of, of expansions, and someone can correct me on this if I'm wrong, it, it's you literally will bust your arse to, to, to defeat a boss and you'll get an item, but it'll be just a tiny bit better than the one you have. But then you go and fight that boss again and you go oh, and fight that yeah. boss again and fight that boss again and fight that boss because yeah. you might have a guild of... 15, 20 people who might want other items in that boss. So you're yeah. doing the same. You are doing the repetitive things. You mentioned them earlier. There are daily quests. You do the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah. We, we have to win your five battlegrounds or you have to do this, that, and the other. It, it is... Some of the MMORPG thing is incredibly repetitive. And that's like not that. even specific to that genre because Call of Duty has your daily challenges as well. And I enjoy yeah. doing them because yeah. it's like yeah, you can just randomly play and shoot people. Or, oh, i got to try to kill somebody specifically in that way because that's the challenge for no reason. So I'll just 
do that then. But it gives you something one to do. Things, one of the things I was reading about that, and especially in games like Call of Duty, is that it makes it like you're going to play a game, and if you're going in, going, I'm just going to go in and have a game of Call of Duty, and you're trying to play it, and you can't win a game because the players on your team are all trying to get this daily challenge. Yeah, yeah. 15 stabs or with a knife or something. <laughs> and it's, you know, they're just dying because, and your team is losing because every time you go in, they're all trying to do this stupid daily yeah, challenge. Yeah, like. That's 100% fact. Yeah. Barry, before you tell us what your list of favourite games are, Mark, do you have a list of favourite games, do you? I would, yeah. Or a few of them. Before you tell us, I think we'd all three of us would love to know what the... If you're on YouTube, you can easily like, subscribe, and comment and tell us what your favourite game is. Because that would be really interesting to find Actually, out. I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. That's one that. YouTube comments I would bother reading for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always read the YouTube comments. But, um, yeah, definitely take the time. It would only take two seconds if you're on YouTube. Tell us what your favourite game is. Too. And, and why. That's it. And why. Barry, what are your favourite games? Oh, don't have these in order because I couldn't put yeah. them in order. It's like, yeah. it's like name your favourite child. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say it's a joke. I know that's <laughs> not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to name one of your kids. <laughs> no, no, no. Clover. Uh, yeah. My dog. So actually most of these are in order of most played on Steam because that's how I, I was looking up just to jog, mm. jog my memory and stuff because some of them are from a while back. So the Fallout series. I haven't played as much of Fallout 1 and 2 as I would like, but Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, definitely they're up there. Can, can I say something about Fallout? Yes, you can. And this is, Mark, you'll know this as well, because both of you have played, you've finished Fallout games, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Now, you've finished Fallout games? I have. Okay, there's two things I have to say on this, okay? How much was Fallout 4? Run about. Uh, 50 quid? 50 60 quid? quid, I think. Something How many like hours of entertainment did you get from it? 1,699 in the case of Fallout 4 alone. Jesus Okay, you said that point one cent an hour. You said that before, but only now was it kicked in. Like the, but my point is that's amazing. Around about that, you played all hundred hours. Oh no, I definitely I've finished one, two, three, New Vegas, but I just never got into four. So when you look at it as a form of entertainment, a hundred percent. The value that you get from the game. The value per euro. Yeah, True. the value per euro. And I said, I used to say the same thing. boggling And it's not yeah. just justifying it. Yeah, but it's, it's it's, I used to say the same thing about World of Warcraft. It's 12 euro, whatever oh, it was, a month subscription. It is nothing for the hours of entertainment yeah. and the amount of fr- friendships and yeah. laughter and yeah, everything yeah. else. It's nothing. It is nothing. Um, also, but for the Fallout games in particular, and Mark, you'll agree with this as well, obviously, the music. Oh, the music in some of the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music and the skill. Actually, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. The artistry, artistry that's in the games. We should get back to that maybe in a few seconds. And every okay. Fallout fan will know Ron Perlman. War. War never changes. Yeah, yeah. And did you know they're making a Fallout TV show? Yes. Oh. Amazon are making it, so it's yeah. going to be good. It's going to be decent. And uh, one of my favourite actors, Walter... Um, Walter... Uh, was it Walter Goggins? His name, his name is Gabe Tino. He's brilliant. I love him. He's just so... He's brilliant. Everything he's in, I love him. Yeah. He's fantastic. Okay. Um... So again, in no order, um, Fallout, this Fallout series, series, uh, No Man's Sky is one of the more modern games in, it, in that list that I absolutely love. I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in that. Just a brilliant, brilliant game. Baldur's Gate is another one. The first one, I haven't played as much as the second one. I'm hoping to play a lot of the third one. And Baldur's Gate is based on what is Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons 3. World. Five, yeah. The Dungeons and Dragons rulebook yeah. kind of thing. Um, the Dragon Age series. And the Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls series as well. Uh, again, Mart, I think you've outplayed me on this one. You played a lot of Morrowind. Yes. Uh, I haven't played Morrowind at all. 
but I've played the hell out of Oblivion and the absolute hell out of Skyrim. Well, they've reskinned and Morrowind and added fast travel. That was the curse about Morrowind. There's no fast travel. If you're over here and you want to go to the other side of the map, okay, just push down on the controller for five minutes. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. But I've played Elder Scrolls Online as well, quite a lot. Mm. Um, the Mass Effect series, all of them, and I love them all, and I don't care what anyone says. I know a lot of people, the, the Mass Effect get a lot of flack for the ending in 3 and for the glitchy buggy mess that they released with Andromeda. Mm-hmm. I loved all of them. I had a great time with them. They were just so much, so much fun. Um, the, the World of Warcraft we mentioned, The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, which to me is possibly, it's up there. It's one of the greatest video games that has ever been made on any platform in any way. Agreed. Ever. I Agreed. just think it is one of the most beautiful one of the best for playability, movement, everything about the, the Witcher 3 is just... Very close to perfect. Very close to perfect. If not perfect, dare we say it. I, I hesitate <laughs> to, you yeah, know. I hesitate, yeah. But it is a Quite fantastic a monocle game. in the room. And, 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 and I don't know why, I don't know what put it into my head, but something you said there put it into my head. I'd forgotten how many hours I spent on it on the PlayStation. Uh, GTA, uh, Vice City oh, and yeah. San Andreas. I'd nearly forgotten about those. Um, so they're kind of the... They're my top games. They're not in any so order. So in other words, what, what sticks out about that list, Barry, is you don't have loads of sports games. None. You don't have loads of cards games like uh, Solitaire or any of that kind of stuff no, that people know. No. You don't have loads of... I don't have of old games. Like, I don't have... like I, I, Diablo didn't make that list. Even yeah. though it was one of the first games I spent an awful lot of time in, thanks to Merit. Uh, um, the likes of those games you played when we were younger didn't yeah. make the list. I know you so. like to think they're not old. Because you're old, but Baldur's Gate is twenty five years oh, old. Well, I accept that, accept that. Yeah, um, but I meant older than that. <laughs> Mark, um, what's your list? Um, well, I know at the time when Baldur's Gate came out in nineteen ninety eight, it was far and away my favorite game ever. It actually made me stop playing Dungeons and Dragons in real life because I was just like, why would you want to play something with a bio on a piece of paper when Baldur's Gate exists? It was so amazing. You and shouldn't um, have been playing Dungeons and Dragons with a biro. Well, That's it's, a yeah. new mistake right yeah. there. It's pencil. But um, <laughs> if I was to think, and I didn't actually do a list, so I'm going to definitely forget. Definitely The Witcher, I think, is one of the best games ever. I was blown away by The Last of Us games, and I only played them last year. Yeah. Anyone with any hand, if they can get your hands on a console or something, Sophie, definitely. Sophie played The Last of Us. Yeah, it's just Because amazing. you gave her the game. And it's, or one of you gave her the, the game. But she loved it. Yeah, and she finished the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's amazing. Um, Dragon Age, probably right up there for me with Baldur's Gate. Um, as an amazing game, superb. I can't. I spent a lot of time in Fallout's uh, Skyrim. You have a big thing for uh, there's a strategy game you really love. Uh, uh, Command and Conquer's in my head, but it's not that. Um, Age of Empires. No, not even not, not, not those ones. You know it's those an ones? RTS. No, um, Return Strategy. No, it's a, it's a squad game. Oh, XCOM. Yes. How could I forget XCOM? Thank you, Barry. You're welcome. Because I did spend a ridiculous amount of time on XCOM. And I remember, anyway, I would be telling strangers, you got to try XCOM. you tell telling me. Because split XCOM, to me, is like Heroin. the ultimate. No, it's not that it's addictive, <laughs> but it's hyper. It's like super chess. Because you know how chess is? You scratch your chin and you have a think about it. And you're thinking, if I move my knight here, they'll move their bishop. You're trying to predict the other person's move. 100% that's what XCOM is about because it's basically it's a turn based game so you do your turn and you have your little squad of guys and you choose to move them here and there then the computer will do their turn so you're trying to predict 
I'm guessing that the computer's going to move their enemies up here, so I'm going to tell my guy to go up this ladder and stand up high, and then you have different types of units like long range and short range and all. Basically, it's a, it's a real thinker of a game. Mm. And if you play it on any high difficulty level, you really do have to think every turn through. And I remember I was so just, I played it so much that I got really good at it. And I remember um, I started playing it in Iron Man mode. In Iron Man mode, there's no save. So once you die, you're done. So normally, you know, you're like, oh, somebody died. You just load a save from five minutes ago and then you don't go where they Scope went. Scope saves, yeah. I was playing, uh, I was playing on uh, Iron Man mode. And I remember actually it was one time, um, I don't know, I was out with the lads or something and I came home with a few beers with me. Oh, no. I sat playing the thing. And then I just went to bed. I got up the next day. I was like, ah, the place next calm. I was like, oh, why are all my guys dead? And the building's on fire. And oh, no. So, yeah, oh. there, was, there was that. But um, oh, that was an amazing game, actually. Yeah. Okay, then um, tell those, us. My what? favorite games would be uh, in no particular order. Um, although I do, like, I remember when, remember the time I was a bouncer and I used to come home and you used to be like, come home and you'd be, I'm sure you'd be like, well, when you came home from, from working in the bar and you'd be like, full of beans and you couldn't sleep or anything. So I had a, the PlayStation at the end of my bed and I'd be like, do do do, playing Gran Turismo. I loved Gran Turismo. Gran yeah, Turismo was a racing car game. So I, I, I have no idea how many hours I played it, but I played loads of it. But I remember one day walking through Dublin. So in Gran Turismo, you would, you would race cars and you could get car, you, you get prize money in the game. You'd buy a better car and then you'd enter different races. Okay. But one day I was walking through Dublin. Uh, this is about the time that I had, that I was playing Gran Turismo. And I saw an actual Austin Martin DB8, I think it was. For the first Gran Turismo? No, no, I saw real, brand new, real No, 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 but I mean... Oh, no, this is Gran Turismo 4. 4? Yeah. Probably an 8, yeah. Yeah. I didn't so, play the games, but I'm kind yeah. of roughly... Like and I saw the, the car in real life. And I walked up, and the guy just happened to be walking up to the car in real life. Well, in real life. He asked me, <laughs> walking up to his car. And I walked up and I said, Oh, nice car, I have one of those as well. And then I just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a gamer version of a winner story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. You so, dropped an L on him thinking he had this fancy yeah, car. Yeah. Everybody clapped. So, in my mind, it was one monkey. But, so, Gran Turismo... Gran Turismo, was, you were always trying to convince me to play it, but I was always thinking, and actually, this is another one of my favorite games I forgot to mention, GTA. I always felt like, why would I want to play a game where I can drive around in a car, but that's the whole game, or I can play a game where I drive around in a car... But I can also run over civilians, I can do missions, I can even decide to be a rogue cop and tune into the cops' radio frequencies and catch criminals. Or I could also do racing and stuff. It was just like... Oh no, absolutely, yeah. One tiny component I of see all of GTA yeah. is just as one. And I can, I, I, can, I, can see, I can see your point, but I can also see Donald's point, because I did play the first Gran Turismo on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. And that was, it's not on my list of favorite games, but it's definitely a game I, I it was spent a good a, game. I spent a lot of time playing with our friend Finbar. We spent a yeah, lot yeah. of time playing Gran Turismo. And it was yeah, the yeah, accuracy. Gran Turismo 3. It was the accuracy. It was like, the accuracy. It was the, the graphics in it were very yeah, beautiful for the yeah, time. Yeah, for the time, like. Uh, so whereas GTA is definitely a jack of all trades, Gran Turismo was the master of one. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. Good description. Yeah. But uh, another game I love is Counter-Strike. I love the whole Counter-Strike. Did you know... They are releasing officially Counter Strike Two. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Finally, absolutely, yeah, yeah. On on my online handle in the lot of places that I use my online handle, Hammerhead. Do you ever hear me use Hammerhead? 
Yes. Yes. So Hammerhead comes from the you. So you buy the game Counter Strike, but then you're able to make your own levels in Counter Strike. Oh. Okay. And the name of the editor is called the Hammer Editor, and the Hammer Editor comes from um, the Hammer Editor comes from the Quake games from the Gold. I think it was Gold Source was called. I think boop, boop, boop. I should confirm that again. But that's um, weird because I always assumed oh, that your yeah, Hammerhead title or whatever or name yeah. was from Spider Man because of Spider Man and Zoys. Nope. Uh, oh yeah. No. No. Is um. <laughs> if, no. Actually, good one. But no, it's from this editor. And um, but this editor then was like you know the way that we have the world of games we have today. It's actually because of a few people, but primarily because of you know you you both know John Carmack. But John Carmack was the person who made Quake and kind of like uh, Wolfenstein 3D and these kind of games. Is he the guy who went off with Meta for years? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so he believed in open source stuff and he made the editors free for these for these games. So you can so that's how the whole modding kind of scene came about. But anyway, I love Contract and another game I love is Age of Empires. Yeah, we've all done a lot of ours now. Yeah, we've all done a lot of See, again, you'll notice from my list of games that they're nearly all, well, sorry, they are all RPGs in one way or another. Whether they're online RPGs or or single player RPGs, they're pretty much RPGs. No Man's Sky is probably the furthest one from an RPG. Even even that's kind of RPG ish. But then, um, Um, whereas you guys, you've driving games and you've shooting games, you've different games, you've strategy games. And um, and a game that Mart will not agree with is a game by a little known. I'm being ironic there, Marcus Notch Pearson. Oh yeah, Marcus Notch Pearson. So Notch, you know Notch. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So Minecraft, and I love Minecraft. One of my favorite stories about Minecraft is, um, you know, the way I can't remember exactly. I think he was releasing a new game. After he sold Minecraft to Microsoft, so I think, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, so he was done with Minecraft, and he was gone off playing this, or doing a new game, and the game was going to be called Scrolls, and um, was it the Elder Scrolls? That said, hey, no. Yeah, was it that? Because <laughs> they basically told him, no, 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 we own the Scrolls name, and he was kind of saying, Scrolls is a kind of a generic name, you own the, the Elder, Elder Scrolls. Scrolls, but even then, your games are called Oblivion, Minecraft, Skyrim, Hammerfall, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was like, kind of, you know, come on. Or he agreed, and I think at the time, um, the company that owns, uh, that makes Oblivion, what are they called? Bethesda. Bethesda owned or made, is it a Quake? They, they're the software house that released Quake or one of those games yeah. way back in the day. So Notch told them, okay, let's settle this like gamers. Your best Quake player against me in Quake, best of three, whoever wins gets to keep the name Scrolls. And then they were like, uh, no, you're getting a letter from our lawyers. So, <laughs> Poor guy. No fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that notch, okay, he definitely had a certain mentality of, of stuff. So I don't know how much he sold Minecraft to Microsoft for. Yes, I do. 1.2 billion. 1.2 billion. And he would have to make another game. No, wait, game. I'm wrong. Billion. I'm for wrong, I'm wrong. 2.5 billion. 2.5 billion. For 2. a game that looks 2. like something from 1983. 2.5 billion dollars. And he went in and he... He started uh, making another... He kept working. So basically... Well, well here's what happened. Weird. right? Microsoft Microsoft just got bigger, 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 bigger. Okay. And um, the time that you 
Okay, basically, there's won't go down loads of roads. Microsoft bought Minecraft, okay, after a certain amount of time, and Notch like just got very disillusioned with the whole Minecraft world. So he in a, in a fit, in a fit, he was like, I think he put out a thing. Yeah, he put out a tweet, and he said, "I'm tired of the gaming community around the community around Minecraft. Does anyone want to buy it from me?" Okay, immediately. Like a, a rash, Microsoft was all over and going, okay, we'll buy from you. And and they settled on 2.1 million. Billion. 2.1 billion. Okay. And then, so uh, Notch sold it. He got his 2.1 billion. And then he famously bought this massive house up in the Hollywood Hills. And uh, he used to throw these amazing parties. But he broke up with his fiance, And uh, he was always like, like, sad and kind of unhappy all the time and he used to throw these amazing parties but he was like did not the life of the party he was like, like crying wiping his tears away with thousand dollar bills yeah like pretty much like you know um this is the thing i, I was going to throw this in into gaming more to do with money uh because i think a lot of the times we have difficulty differentiating between a million and a billion you're a billion and you're a million and, and they're almost you're right. Interchangeable yeah. nowadays. So I found this thing uh, ages ago, but I'm, I'm going to see if this is the right one. Um, so if you inherit one dollar a second, right? Mm-hmm. Every second you were given a dollar. In twelve days of that, um, you would have your first million. Twelve days. Twelve days. If you had one dollar, one dollar a second. Okay, you would that's... have your first million. That's it would take you 120 days to accumulate your first 10. 10 million? Yep. After 31.7 years, you would be a billionaire. Holy moly, when you put it that way. So, yeah. 12 days to make a million. 31.7 days to make it to, make it to a billion. So, that kind of helps... 31.7 years. years. Sorry, years to make it to a billion. That sort of helps put into context the difference between having a million quid and having... Yeah. One well, billion quid. Notch, unfortunately for him, got two point five billion, and it ruined his life. And it ruined his life. Um, some so other, sorry for him. some other quick statistics here. As of two thousand and twenty, <coughs> two point seven billion people played video games daily. How many? Two point seven billion. Billion. And so how many people on Earth? First, there's. I think we just broke seven. Seven billion? Yeah. There's more than seven billion. Isn't no, no, seven? To our computers. <laughs> <laughs> to the nerd machines. Yeah, I thought it was like nine billion now for some reason. But look, I'll take close I have me. population of World of Warcraft. I'll just take out of, of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. Only oh, seven point seven point eight. We only eight, just hit eight. seven like last summer, I think. Was I like know. That. But you know what amazed me? It's a statistic I heard somewhere. <sighs> I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like more people have existed in the last hundred years than have existed ever. Ever before that, yeah. in like the fifty thousand years beforehand or whatever, all put together. Yeah, that is um, just amazing. Yeah. So the average game age of a gamer is what? Twelve. Twenty-nine. I would say twelve. It's thirty-four. Oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. The average age of a gamer. Um, according to the world, us. What's the worst game ever? Postal. That one that never really came out, Star or something. Oh, I'll get back to that in a second. No, the worst game ever was so bad that during 1983... E.T. Yes. 
that during 1983 oh, it caused a collapse in the gaming industry and, and that's how Nintendo got their foothold in into America the, the video game industry was so flame and wrecked by this game that came out and was like what this is what you're giving us Yes, it was E.T. Yeah. Uh, I actually remember watching an interview with the guy who made E.T. And he was kind of saying... It was on the it, Atari 2600, yeah. But the game was on the Atari yeah. 2600, yeah. And he was saying it was kind of unfair because he was given... Probably, I think He, he, he was had, given a week, well, probably. Nearly. Actually, close enough, yeah. He had made Indiana Jones for the console first and it took eight months. So then they were like, that was a success and the movie tie-in thing works. We're giving you E.T. He got to meet Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg gave his input what he wanted. They gave him five weeks to make it. If it took eight months to make a good game, you have suddenly five weeks to do the next one and it better be better. And that's when the crunch started and it has never let up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is anyway, because I'm sure you, the, the urban legend of... Um, oh, the landfills. The landfill that got full. And that was meant to be an urban legend. But I think it was in 2014 or something. I should actually just say what we're talking about in case people listening don't they, know the urban A lot legend. of people won't know this. But apparently, the, the video game industry at the time, in the early 80s, like 1980 through to 83, was just starting up proper. There was loads of consoles, like the Atari 2600, and there was a few other, like the Magnavax or something like that. And also, um, uh, what you, arcade machines were becoming a thing so that they were being put in arcade centers around the place. So the, the gaming was starting to take off as a thing. But then in 1983, one game in particular came out. And apparently Activision really screwed up because uh, I remember ages ago hearing an article about it, or listening to an article about it. And they ultimately had, it's not like today where you could decide, we've made a game, we'll sell it to as many people as want it. And if 100 million people want to buy it, there you go, digital copy, download it. Back then... It was a physical cartridge that cost money to make. So you had to guesstimate, how many copies of this do we think we're going to sell? And they physically produced a cartridge for every store that ordered a bunch of copies. But the problem is, they were just given every store that wanted copies. They were physically making copies and sending it to them. But then they ended up producing so many copies that every, every console owner would have had to have bought a copy of E.T. in order for it to be good. And as you said, back in the day, you couldn't just... Look at a review and find out whether it was good or bad. You had to just go and buy the game and then find out it was rubbish. So they still sold over a million copies of it. But there was just so many produced. And there was a lot of other extraneous factors that kind of combined at the same time. But it ultimately tanked the whole games industry as a concept for years. And yeah, it nearly yeah. looked like gaming was yeah. over. But Activision had ended up, and they went bust after that. Well, they didn't they end up selling out years later. But they had so many copies of this game that they just physically had to get rid of them somewhere so they went to a desert in mexico and dug a big hole who's new mexico and in new mexico yeah sorry that's it and they just dumped all the games in there drove over them with a bulldozer then covered it up with concrete and um soft the earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> but apparently that 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 was a urban legend for so long until i think it was only less than 10 years ago some people i think there's a, found a documentary on netflix about it i'm yeah, sure yeah. there would be yeah they dug it up and they actually found some of the cartridges that wasn't crushed by the bulldozer and plugged it in and it still worked. Yeah. Because these are ROMs and there's no reason for them to just stop working. But um, here's a, another quick one. When, uh, name any Lee, name any female character in gaming. Seamus. Seamus? I can't remember. Oh, Seamus Aaron. Seamus. Yeah. Seamus Aaron. What? Metroid. The first, the biggest 
first the best. Oh, well, I was going to say that was back in the day when graphics were so pixelated you wouldn't know. <laughs> and then it was a shock reveal decades later. The first female character was in 1985 in Typhoon Girl. Now again, again, you're just talking. You're talking pixels. pixels. But I think Mark's Lara Croft. She was in the first. Woman. I, 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 I hesitate to say big character. Um, yeah. But yeah, she was the, f- the first major yeah. female yeah. Uh, protagonist in a computer, um, What is all? There is a. Did you hear the game Star Citizen? Yes. This is Ooh. the game I mentioned today yes. a while back. Okay. So Star Citizen is a game, and this is just really quickly, just to tell you how the economy of scale between games and basically other things in life there there's in some cases no there's no comparison uh this game star citizen it hasn't even been officially released yet but they've been working on it for i don't know how many years decade as well yeah it's probably a decade okay like years probably around 10 years and the game do you know how much cost around about to make so far yeah uh, no you're doing the thing where we're going to guess too high and then what you say it's going to sound yes, too high. 500 million yeah, I'll go with that. 500 million. You're both right. Oh, okay. I've so written here, it's 500 million. That's very average. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we warned you. We, we, we gave you an out there. But, but it's like, but imagine a no, game... That's policy. insane. Because a, Mar- yeah. a Marvel Avengers blockbuster mega summer hit costs about 150 million. Well, no, I've I've a look. Budget for Avengers is 320 million. Uh, I eat the, my hat. Yeah, uh, Star Wars, uh, one one of the later Star Wars films cost 220 million. So in other words, you're talking like huge, wow. massive... It needs to be as big as one of those movies yeah. to make its money back. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <gasps> um, another, now again, there's millions, tons of stuff you could say about that kind of stuff. But just before we go, there's um, this whole thing of sports teams. Okay, esports, e-sports teams. teams. So... There are games like, um, do I have a list of games here? So there's a game. Before we go into the weeds of what the game is and whatever. Yeah. We should just high level esports teams. Okay. Because even live that. So um, esports, the Olympics this year are talking about, not this year, the, the next Olympics are talking about introducing esports. Really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. They're talking about it. So basically nerds can get a gold medal. Yeah. Well, e- I mean, yeah, because. Esports is competitive gaming. With like large quantities of prize monies and stuff. Yeah. That's basically comparable with the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So basically, well, actually, well, okay. So there's a game, Dota 2, Defense of the Ancients 2. Okay. Dota 2, the prize money for that in 2022 was, eh, it isn't much when you put it in one way. It was 32 million uh, dollars prize money okay is that like one team got 32 million quid or no no so I think it's in general is the prize okay. so that's um, how, I'd say that's what they've given out in prize money from all the different competitions yeah. for that year now then there is so I'm looking at a list here and there's like probably 10 different games in it but if you if you average at 13 million and there's 10 that's like 130 million if you to, to add all these together and divide them by 10, you know, there's I'd say there's 130 million euros around about of prize money for games, so it's a huge, huge, far down huge industry. Honestly, I'm just excited that the Olympics could have esports in them. Yeah, that I would watch that. <laughs> and like, you know, the way it, what's a famous basketball team? 
The Chicago Bulls. Mart, what's a famous football team? Uh, Manchester United. Yep. Okay. Um, Both playing red. Yep. That's why but I chose them. <laughs> look at this. This I have a graph here, and the graph shows. Okay. The graph shows, and this will be on the internet. Okay. And this will be on the uh, in the notes of the program. The different teams. Okay. So famous teams are FaZe Clan. There's Navi. There's Nip. You don't have to read up names because it's but not basically, No, 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 but there, there's no meaning in them today, but there are people... Oh, sorry, what you're saying is these names will be household names. These names will be household names, like, you know. Um, but when you look at this, this is the most watched esports teams of 2022. So the top one, okay, has had 120, 112... Oh million hours watched in 2022 oh okay well that's ridiculous that's a lot of hours that's I a lot of hours you can only watch those online because if that was on telly I would probably watch it no well no, there are different. things on channels but it's like it's hard to find they're hard to find whereas yeah yeah exactly but they're on they're online like so I mean they're like and for anyone listening to this and wondering gaming and game stuff is not a once off We'll be returning to this topic. Yeah, yeah. And we'll probably return to several topics over the yeah, course yeah. of the Because the we haven't even touched about... What we should do is have a pro- have an issue where we look at... Have a, an episode of this where we talk about the art in games and we know there's people... There's so who, many. Yeah. There's oh, so, so many That's topics. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Within games. Um, like... I could do an episode... We could do an episode on World of Warcraft on its own and I could yeah. talk about it for two hours. Yeah, yeah. No bother. Um... We can talk. We can like. We, we are going. We're going to come back to this. We're going to be talking about games that aren't out yet. What we'd like to see in games. What are the worst tropes in games? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, this isn't a topic that's uh, once off. We'll definitely be talking about it again mm. for sure. Actually, while we're talking topics, I keep. I think we should say this every episode, and I always forget. But um, again, in the YouTube comments, because I presume people can't comment on whatever Spotify and stuff, can they? Uh, not as easy. Okay, certainly. well, let's say if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, find this video on YouTube and then come back and like and subscribe and stuff and comment on it and give us suggestions of topics to talk about. Because it is true sometimes we got to bang our hands together and come up with a topic that we think would be interesting for people to listen to. But obviously, the best source of topics would be the people who are actually listening to them. Yeah. So. And are we telling our listeners what we're going to be talking about next time? Yes, we are. Uh, we're going to finish up the program, but tune in next time where we will have the topic of Is technology destroying the quality of human interaction? I'd answer that, but I'm going to go on my phone. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Until we meet again.